Welcome everyone to Alchemy Answers episode 19, getting close to 20. That's a, that's a pretty big number. That shows consistency and dedication on our part and on your it part does. for submitting questions week after week. Shows that you actually want to learn about Dota, so thank you for doing that. And uh, with that being said... Okay, so we have uh, Church. He asked, what do we think of a support bat? He's strong in lane, extra strong at level 2. Tranquils plus Lace plus Drums is enough to get your hero online. I think he works in the role well because Bat doesn't want to build stuff like Crimson and Vlad's thoughts. Um, I guess I'll take this one to start because I'm an offlaner. And, uh, and a Bat player. And a Bat player. So Bat's like typically an offlaner, obviously. But uh, yeah, I, I really like it in a support role. I think I, I recently saw, I believe it was JStorm uh, that was playing against Complexity that's played the bat in the support role to counter a PA and then uh, complexity flip, flipped it around and they played the bat in monkeys forever is playing bat as a support against a PA as well. And in both games, it looked really, really good because like you said, bat at level two is incredibly strong just due to the stacking nature of his sticky napalm. And there are a lot of heroes that you completely obliterate in the laning stage, such as PA, Terrorblade, heroes that you really don't want to come online and have a good early game, but there aren't that many offlaners that are great at dealing with them. In fact, a reason that a lot of these heroes are in the meta is because they are particularly potent versus the popular offlaners, or at the very least, Terrorblade, for example, and PA can come back uh, if they have a rough lane against offlaners. Like they, you know, you have teams picking offlaners, teams picking carries, and obviously there's going to be, depending on the pick order, uh, certain heroes that are going to do fine in those matchups. Whereas if you throw a random bat in there, uh, then you have somebody who like counters a bat. You can have the bat in the laning stage completely obliterate a hero without the risk of having the bat countered in the game because it doesn't matter if you counter or support. So I think I think that's a, a really good role for him. And uh, typically when it comes to a lot of these like very hard counter, I don't want to call them cheese heroes, but it's like a niche pick where it, if you pick it in, a, in the right scenario, it completely hard counters heroes. I think these heroes are amazing in the support role because... Um, or heroes that like, there's a risk of them getting hard countered. Like for instance, uh, if an enemy team, this is way back in like the Leviathan days, but if the enemy team picked a bunch of counters to budge, I would just kind of play it as a support and Nusham would kind of take the farming role because it's like, you want to focus so much on countering the specialty hero and letting it through the draft. Well, then you're going to be punished by virtue of your countering a support. And that's actually why in the, my recent video about hardest counters in the game, I didn't put in like Sky versus Pugna because Sky is typically a support. And I think if you're picking an entire draft to counter a Skywrath Mage, he'll have a bad game, but he'll still do what he does in the early game as a support. And then you're countering a support. So you're basically rooting your 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 draft in order to counter a hero that doesn't matter that much other than in the early game where he's already going to be effective. So yeah, in essence, I really do like Bat as a support. I think that's a great role for him. And do you prefer it as a four or a five? What do you think is better? I would say you you literally just lane it it's like a, it's a laning pick you would just pick and put it in whatever role that uh is is like best in the game like for instance if uh if it gets a bunch of kills early then it kind of becomes a four if it sure sure has a yeah. terrible laning stage or whatever by picking it to win the lane you end up kind of just going for the five if you right 
are facing a bunch of Lincoln spheres or something like that, then you kind of just adapt and, and you do whatever you can in the game. Right. If you're but, against a, like yeah. larks and PLs and stuff like that, just play it as a, as a five and use it in the lane to win the lane. It's still going to do what it does. But if they don't pick back counters, then it can be a four and be really effective. But it doesn't really matter because I think he can do both essentially. Right. And I probably have never played bat ever. <laughs> Maybe in Dota 1 I played Damn it, but up. I've never played bat. And so I don't have a whole lot to add about bat specifically, but we are in a place in Dota where people are picking support Luna just because it does a job that a support can do, which is to provide a lot of auras. Uh, the Luna aura is incredibly good, and it's incredibly good with or without farm. So the fact that we can be picking these heroes that traditionally have never been played in any other role as supports means that people are kind of coming out of their comfort zone and adapting and just kind of experimenting more. So sure, play whatever you want as support. And I think I think support in particular is probably the most versatile role uh, just because like Doesn't if, matter you, if you, you have a tool, if you have tools that are your spells, then it doesn't really matter how much farm you have. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of spells in Dota are getting, like, heroes that have really boring and shit spells are getting buffed to be, like, more interesting. So yeah. I think just because Dota has become more interesting of a game and a, a more uh, well-designed game over the years as things have progressed, more and more heroes are open to the support role just because more and more heroes aren't going to be useless and boring in the early game because that's just not fun gameplay. But that also lends itself to, like, any hero being a viable support. I think also, like, just as long as jobs are being done in a game, it doesn't really matter um, what, what heroes you have, like, in whatever role. Like, as long as there are specific jobs that, you know, need to be done, you need a pusher, you need late game, uh, it doesn't matter if you have five carries and a good early game or uh, five, like, supports, but they all happen to scale pretty well in a way that's not traditional, like carries. Like, let's say you have, like, tinkers and heroes like that. You don't need a hard carry on your team. Like, as long as the job of carrying in the late game is done, maybe because you counter their heroes, that's all that really matters is are the jobs done? So like with bat support, it's just, can I do a job of a support in this game? Okay. Then on top of that, consider like, what else do I offer? For instance, like people are picking bat to counter the laning stage right now. So that's obviously a bonus. Yep. Uh, but right. anyway, let's take the next will... question. So we got RFX has a couple questions, a few questions. Uh, are signs pointing to us seeing a tri-lane meta or is it too early, still too early to tell? So uh, in in competitive, like in the um, uh, Chongqing, ma Chongqing major, Jesus, uh, it's uh, it was like a lot of tri laning that was happening. I think there was this trend where people were uh, playing in a tri lane just to start, and then people, as a result of that, were like kind of testing. Okay, how how long can I stay in this lane and keep punishing uh, this lane? And it just started to look pretty good. Uh, and then it got to the point where people were literally just like straight tri-laning and seeing how it felt. And mostly it was aggro tri-lanes yep. uh, against like a carry that they really wanted to shut down or in a situation where they know that their safe lane would beat the off lane or solo. That's always a good scenario. Or it would be a um, defensive tri-lane if the off laner really needed to be dealt with. Uh, and if like, like for instance, against Beastmaster, that's how people were dealing with Beastmaster because that hero in a 2v2 will just obliterate, or at least at that time, pre-nerf. I still think he's really good, but pre-nerf, yeah. um, he was he was really hard to deal with, and people were like, all right, fuck this hero. We're just going to try lane against him. So yeah, I, I think it's I think try lanes are definitely 
uh, completely viable. I would say it's like probably 50-50 right now, which is uh, different from how Dota's been for years. It's been dual lane for so long. Uh, so I'm I'm very happy that it's like it's 50 50 because you know personally as an offlaner that that gives me a lot of versatility in the role that I get to play these solo offlane scenarios which I I have been finding more fun than the two v two just because I'm so sick of focusing on creeps you know what I mean I'd rather play that kind of like mess with just, people run around right mess, yeah fuck with people it's like kind of like a stealth game almost where you're just trying to sneak around and do these little cheeky plays like that's feeling more fun to me right now so I, I like that it's 50 50. And uh, leaning towards tri-laning. Yeah, I um, I think that we even saw sort of like the adaptation come f- full circle with the tri-lands where it was basically, like you said, exclusively aggro tri-lands being run. And it would be like, I don't know, a PA or a Terrorblade plus two supports. And then teams just started putting their offlane hero in the safe lane. Which actually makes a lot of sense because I think for the last six months or so we've been basically calling the safe lane the off lane because it's usually the lane that's supposed to lose anyway. So it's kind of just natural that you would then start putting your off laner, who's the hero that you don't really care that much about having a good laning stage, in the safe lane, and then let them just you know play the off lane in a different lane, basically. Um, Does make sense. People tried that at the start of the patch too, yeah. but. The math just like didn't quite work out. It just didn't feel that great. But obviously, like as the as the meta changes, as the heroes change, as the patches come out, like things that were bad will will eventually become good. And I do I do want to say that like when it comes to at least high rated pubs, the the ones that I've played on on my Smurf, like relatively high rated pubs, I should say, post calibration, uh, it does seem like there is the occasional tri lane. So it seems to be trickling down, and it eventually will. Uh, be in this sort of 50 50 meta that we see in competitive but like even you know even like divine and immortal games that i'm getting it's it's probably like 10 percent of the games 20 percent. there's a tri lane but mostly it's dual lanes but that'll trickle down to immortal then that'll trickle down to divine then that'll trickle down to like all of the the other brackets eventually i just saw one question chat that i wanted to answer which is when do we start streaming um all of our streams generally start at 6 p.m specific standard time so we've been streaming for 16 minutes or so um and those streams are alchemy answers every tuesday replay review every thursday we did another replay review on monday and we might have some other shows coming up as well uh that we're talking about so 6 p.m pst tends to be the general start time for every single all right we'll continue we'll continue this has been a long (laughs) comedic tangent additionally if i'm playing with the team in a league or five stacking does it make sense to approach the game with a specific game plan or major objective maybe uh, specifically around the player's skill sets and hero pools, or should we literally just go with the flow and try to plug-and-play strats before and during games? I fucking love this question because it's... I can't have, like, a 100% answer to it, and I, I, I know that it's, like... It sucks for me to, like, not be able to get specific about it, but it's just because, like, depending on the team, the captain, it's... It, it could be whatever, you know? I, I can say that, like, in my competitive experience, um, knowing, you know, like, when I'm, like, scrimming against, like, the complexity, when complexity's good, or the... Didn't really scrim EG much, but, like, scrimming against the teams that were, like, actually good. My teams were okay, but scrimming against the teams that actually had, like, a lot of success, I can tell you that, like, some of the captains, like Swindle Melons, for example, would completely have a strat for the game and execute it exactly the same, like, every single game, to a T, and everybody would just listen to him. Other teams, like, 
Liquid, for example, they try to play like it's a pub. Like they literally just uh, play their heroes and, and um, b- basically just like that's not play as if they're though. friends playing a pub. It, it's not it's not true, like remember it, at TI seven when Liquid had that coddle strategy that they just used over and over, and it was like okay. We're going to make chaos while GH farms the four staff and the eggs, and then we're going to push high ground at 16 to 18 minutes every single time. Sure, but that's what that's what GH does in pubs on Coddle, though. True, but the, the point is is that what you are what you were saying is that it doesn't. there is no real answer to this because it, it, there it depends. Yeah. It depends on what you guys are good at, and um, you need to kind of figure that out. I do like this question as well because it's not a solo queue question. Most of the stuff that we get is, like, what's good in solo queue? Um, but you know, Dota is a team game, and I think that it's way more fun when you play as a stack generally. So, I think it that is. There's... I really wish that there was some sort of party, like like serious party ranked. I I really think like, that the game like would be a clan a lot better. system or something like that would be super cool because people would actually yeah. care about that. Um, For sure. But to answer the question from my perspective, I think that you guys should try out a few things. Try out having a strategy that you guys really like. Run it a few times, see how it works. Yeah. If it gets boring or if you guys are getting destroyed, then maybe switch it up. And, like, I mean, you guys are playing a stack. You're playing in some, you know, amateur leagues and stuff like that. You know, it's fine to talk about it. Like, don't be afraid to, like, treat a Dota team like an actual team in a sport. Like, you guys are allowed to talk about your strategy. Yeah, you want to win. You, you don't want to fucking suck. It's not... Like, it doesn't... Don't be afraid just because it's a video game to, like, you know... Take it seriously. It's okay. Like we all we're do. that generation. Man. <laughs> yeah. we're, that, we're that we're that generation where it's like gaming is starting to become like sport. You would never think that somebody taking their like you know soccer team or whatever seriously is like some weird degenerate thing. But in gaming, it's like oh my god, these losers. It's we're at that weird point where like gaming is just becoming mainstream. Like we have one mainstream gaming celebrity. It's fucking Ninja. He's representing all of us to like the mainstream public. Yeah. You know, in some in some day, there's going to be like all sorts of athletes and stuff that the mainstream is going to know, and you you putting a bunch of effort into like an amateur team is is not going to be like weird. But in, in any case, like I, I do, you actually kind of maybe think of a, a sort of point. But uh, what Donnie was saying, I think, is really important. Where like it's it's really important that you are just trying different things. That that is the most important thing because every single team has like a different groove that they can get into. But the most important consistent thing across teams is that you are constantly trying to improve the way that you're playing. And even if you're like fucking yourself over in that attempt to improve, like for instance, if you say, okay, guys, we need a strong captain. I'm just going to take the reins, tell everybody what to do. That might fail miserably. That might be successful. You, you, even if you do that and it's successful, you might want to add some stuff to it. All right, you're going to help me by talking during the draft. All right, that guy says some dumb shit, ruins a bunch of drafts, your drafts suck. Take that thing away, don't do that anymore, add something else. All right, we're going to be, uh, I'm going to be less vocal in the early game, and then somebody else is going to also contribute to early game, maybe the supports. And it'll be, like you basically just need to try shit, understand that in the attempts to change the dynamic of the team, you're going to be worse temporarily. Give it enough time to try, to like kind of sink in and and actually have an effect and then it might have a positive effect and it might have a negative effect but the most important thing in getting better and finding your your formula your style is trying things and and really paying attention to like what's working and what isn't try try to look at it like objectively uh and you don't want to be like results-based you want to like 
watch games and be like, did we do better in this respect in this game? Okay. Did this fuck us over in any way? Like you, that's, that's kind of how you want to look at it. Um, and, and I would say that generally like this is more anecdotal, but, uh, generally teams will have like a certain uh, set of strategies where it's like, basically you'll have, um, a, a, a certain thing that you're good at and like you want to capitalize on that we're a really good early game team let's pick good lanes and then we'll just see where we can go from there like it's it's nice to, to have a starting position that's kind of just like what do you all like what, what do you enjoy about the game like what could you see yourself investing time into making that your specific niche like if you really like fighting if you really like being early game if you really like going late game like you can just you there for a sec because okay we're, we're talking about teams a lot here but all of this can apply to you in your solo games as well. Like, I think that... Yeah, that's true. That's one, true. One of the big questions that we always get, and we get it, like, every week and in every single video is, you know, what role should I play? What heroes should I play? Like, just try stuff out. Like, try being the captain for a game. Try using your mic incessantly for, like, three or four games. People listen to you because you make good calls. Maybe all of a sudden you discover that you should be leading your team in these pubs. If people flame you, if people don't listen to you, then maybe you can go back to playing like your carry style where you don't really make any calls until you have a bunch of farm and you win the game that way. Try playing mid. Maybe you are naturally a very good like tempo setter slash like number two carry, and that's your role. The point is, is like, don't just ask us, <laughs> don't ask your friends what you should do. Just try stuff. Don't be afraid to fail. And that way you're actually going to learn what you're good at. You know, it took me several thousand games to really realize that I am way better at playing support than any other role in the game. And I like, constantly realize that about offlane when I yeah, try to play other roles. It's exactly. like, I'm, this role is made for me, man. Like I went, I went like, uh, okay, so I've played on Smurfs before in Divine. And I actually think Divine is like way harder to win than Immortal because like divine games are totally chaos it's just a different environment and what i've been doing on this smurf this time around to to calibrate is just like i'm at i'm at my mother-in-law's uh the patch just came out i'm super excited about dota and i just want to fucking play and i didn't care if i was going to win or lose so i was playing offlane because that's just the role that i most enjoy i don't care that i have bad ping i don't care that i'm probably going to lose and i went eight and two like i have like an 80 percent win rate on this divine account and i could not for the life of me win in divine on a smurf before like i had a 20 percent win rate or something like that playing on this divine smurf for weeks probably like five months four, four or five months ago and this was like i had good ping i was playing professionally i had no excuse i could not play divine and you know why it was i was playing fucking mid i was like all right these guys are divine i'm way better than them i'm gonna pick alchemist and solo carry the game i couldn't do it i actually am so bad at these other roles that i can't even play them in a bracket that's like 2000 mmr below mine like I, I cannot do it but then when i played on this smurf and i just played offlane even though i have a shitty environment like shitty uh, situation in terms of the internet and i didn't really care i was just kind of, i was randoming i was just like picking necrophos because i really wanted to play necro i have i have won like almost every game and the games that i lost i think i ended up doing like the most hero damage on both teams and there was like a feeder on my team or something like that like the games have been going great for me in the same bracket i was losing in because i'm picking offlane even though i, I it's a lot harder for me to play it fr yeah. from here so it's like there are certain roles that are going to be suited for you and you play so much dota that it's really hard to tell that like you're losing because you're playing mid. It's and that's why you have to change things because it's like if you don't change anything, things might not get worse, but they won't get better. So you have to change things and risk things getting worse because it's like 
Uh, I know it's not shocking to say that like changing things will potentially change things. It's like, obviously, you know, but a lot of people will just sit and do the same thing over and over on Dota and not get better. And it's like, well, yeah, because there are no changes happening. Uh, you, you just have to, you just have to make a change, you know, even if it's like your role. Anyway. Yeah. I got forced to play mid today in one of my calibration games because literally nobody was picking it. All the other things got picked. And I was like, I actually haven't played mid in like two years. What am I supposed to do here? Arctic Wolf says, who's the best position five support in this patch? Also, as a position five, what is the best way to deal with Bristleback mid to late game? All right. Bristleback question, very simple. Ignore that fucker. Like, he doesn't do anything if you just ignore him. Get Yule Scepters, kite him, ignore him. Uh, fight away from him. Get an, a hero that will just completely obliterate him like an Outworld Devourer. Like, just ignore that hero. Hitting Spirit that vessel. hero. Yeah, Spirit Vessel, Silver Edge. There's a lot There's a lot to deal with that hero. I don't think Bristle is as a big bad of a wolf and hero as, like, people make it seem to. But uh, how do you, who, who do you think the best position five support is this patch? I'm still a little like. Let me go to the let me go to the Dream League and, and check it out. If you have an answer yeah, for that, the pros would say Lich. Lich is basically being picked that's, every single game. That's what I would say too. Um, but he got nerfed a little bit. So that being said, Dazzle is also being banned a lot. I would say I don't know. Dazzle is also kind of an interesting case because it is being played like three mid, four, five, etc. But the most reliable position five has definitely been Lich across the board. Um, not only because he is really good defensively in lane with the frost shield, but also because his frost shield makes pushing towers nearly impossible in the yes. early stages of the game. And one of the things that most pro teams do now is one of the lanes loses every single every single game, basically, because more resources are dedicated to it. And so what pro teams will do is they will take the position five and they'll throw them into the lane that is being abandoned by their team, rotating all of their other heroes to the other side of the map. And then the position five will basically just pull the creeps off of the tower, try and get some experience and catch back up that way. Lich is basically the best hero at doing that because he gives the tower like this ridiculous damage reduction shield that slows attacks and clears the creep wave. And he doesn't even have to be remotely near and, there. And it pulls the creeps too because exactly. it does damage creeps. Exactly. So it's it's like it doesn't tech it doesn't really make that much sense in terms of like the mechanics of it, but yeah. he's technically doing damage to the creeps, so he's technically pulling the creeps. Uh, also, like what you said, the the fact that like there's always a losing lane, Lich is really good at making a losing lane not lose as hard as you would think because of the frost shield is such. It's honestly just a cock block. Yeah. It's the biggest. It's one of the biggest cock block abilities in Dota. It makes it it's incredibly hard to win to actually win a lane against Lich. You can do fine in the lane. You can maybe kill the Lich, but he will prevent you from killing the core in that lane. And then, like Donnie said, when that core eventually leaves to go jungle and catch up, Lich just defends the tower. And then on top of that, he can do all of that, and without items and with just levels, he's incredibly effective in the game because his skills are very good. Yeah, his spells They're, are they, so good that he actually could have zero farm and basically you don't have need the exact any, same. You would have the exact same impact. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 really good. I would like to say though, in terms of. Uh, best five role support i'd say one of the most consistent five roles that i've personally loved for the past like year is undying like i really like this undying hero and how you can make a losing lane a winning lane like he's also kind of a it's just no hero in dota can really trade with an undying not even like a skywrath mage undying is is just a, a and then very similar to lich unfortunately can't really defend towers as well as lich that you don't really need any farm, and Undying is going to do the exact same thing and be very effective in the game, uh, except he provides, like, potentially winning 
that lane. So I would say like Undying has one of, been one of the, the most consistently good uh, supports. And in terms of like new supports that people are picking, I would say Shadow Shaman is looking really good right now. Yeah, uh, I think 50... people are running him mostly as a four though, from what I've seen. I think he's a good five too, though. Yep. It's like, especially if you have like, a, especially because Jug is like a forty percent pick rate here at the moment. Like, yeah, that's that's, that's also that also helps. Yeah, any like kill hero Shadow Shaman's really good. Like Ursa as well would be would be excellent. But yep. yeah, those are probably my three my three top picks. Like if you want to win pubs, it's probably it's probably those heroes. Um, in terms of just what they can provide for like easiest learning curve, there's like specialty heroes like Rubik, kind of Grimstroke, but his win rate kind of sucks right now. Like there's there's other potentials in there, but those three are like guaranteed right now. These are these are great heroes. Yeah. Prime Operator says, "How do you think the best way to deal with the buffed Nakes and Ursa? I think both of those heroes are so good right now." Yeah, that movement um, speed buff was insane. Uh, basically, like, well. I, I think I think the same way that you would used to deal with them, it's just that you need more of those items and you can't just skip them. It's like if you don't have a Yule Scepter and Heaven's Halberd against an Ursa, you are going to lose because he's a good hero now. It's not like it, it's like in games where people don't go Yules against Axe. If you don't have Yules against Axe on the enemy on the team that's against Axe, you deserve to lose to the Axe. Like that's how important it is in my opinion so i think i really think the way to deal with those heroes is the exact same way as before you focus on kiting them that's still an issue for them it's just that since they're so much harder to kite given their movement speed you have to actually commit to it no matter what you can't just shut them down in the early game and that because they will eventually come back because they're way harder to kite like they're just better heroes now so you have to you have to get these items heaven celebrated um atos you know, any kiting items will do, essentially. Yeah, the interesting thing about these heroes is that the reason that they were out of the meta was not because of their, like, glaring weaknesses. Lifestealer has very low armor, and he gets completely destroyed by high armor heroes. He's, like, absolute shit against Terrorblade, for example. And um, against Ursa. Yeah, and he's bad against Ursa. He's pretty awful against, like, Morphling. He's pretty awful against these heroes that just do very high physical damage. I just was recently watching the Dream League um, and Lifesteal was getting shredded by a, like, Slardar plus Weaver combo with Desolator. Like, he just evaporated against that combo. Um, the reason that Lifestealer was so terrible is not because he was bad against physical damage. It's because he was kiteable. So, essentially, the only thing that's really been changed about these heroes is that they are significantly less kiteable than they were before. Ursa, still awful against Purges, Dispels. Enchantress destroys Ursa. Uh, Oracle, really good against Ursa. He has a Disarm and a Purge. Um, yeah. You know, these... PL, really good against Ursa, because Ursa can't deal with PL, you know? Like, these guys... And, and it, makes, it makes sense, because they didn't buff anything about these heroes' abilities. Yeah. They just gave them more movement speed. So nothing has changed in terms of what counters them anymore. It's just they're harder to counter in terms of at least the kiting, because the, yeah. the movement speed helps with the kiting. Yeah, basically they were just made to be not complete ass. <laughs> by like being unplayable because they were too yep. slow to catch anybody um as for like lane encounters once again i think it's the same thing i think that's a pretty big reason that we're seeing razor picked up a lot right now uh yes. the dream league major razor is amazing in lane against ursa lifestealer and sven three broken heroes they also happen to be the heroes that got 15 movement speed each legion's also good not getting picked that much but I I'm, I'm sure she's good uh, so so yeah basically this is one of those points where like these heroes just got buffed in a very general way uh so therefore certain heroes that weren't in the meta before are going to come into the meta because sure razor's not good against 
Terrorblade, for example, Terrorblade's still good, but if there's a lot of Life Stealers and Sven's, etc., being picked, then Razor is all of a sudden really good. Yep. Um, I, I highly expect to also see heroes like um, Chaos Knight come to the meta because he's good against those. Elder Titan will continue to be good because he's good against both those heroes. Um, we're going to see, I think, uh, to be honest, Visage is, is fairly good against those heroes just because of the stuns. The summons Earth. and stuns, yeah. Um, I think and, that and Wyvern stuff. is going to be getting a massive boost in pick rate and play uh, because Wyvern is very good against both those heroes. And Weaver. Yeah, Weaver. Doesn't, doesn't get kited at all. Yep, and Enigma is another one that I think we're going to see a lot of play. Uh, Counter-initiate on those like bullshit fast heroes that have the get-out-of-jail-free cards of the Ursa and Rage or the yep. Lifestealer uh, magic plus, community. Plus, Enigma just kind of crushes those heroes in lane, right? They it's just... true. And if you build into like a Dawn build or anything like that, it's just, like so many summons for them to deal with, and they, they just literally can't. Yeah. They can't deal with them. Okay, so uh, Turtle says, uh, when watching high MMR slash pro, pro replays, uh, what should I be thinking of slash looking out for to learn from how they play um, and see the game so I can apply things they do in my game? So what I would recommend in terms of watching these replays is you need to go into them with a purpose. Like, if you feel like you struggle at laning, um, at last sitting, at, uh, you know, keep getting denied on range creeps or whatever it is, Focus on how on why the pros aren't missing range creeps. Like if you really feel like there's something in Dota, it's like fuck, I, this keeps happening to me. Go into the replays and figure out why it's not happening to pros. Because I guarantee you, anything that you feel like keeps happening to you is most likely not happening to pros. Because if there's some bullshit that's happening in Dota, they have figured out or they've looked and found out who, how somebody deals with it. That's kind of the way that I see like um, the competitive games and, and, and pros in general. It's just like these people are the aggregation of so many facts of here's something somebody figure out, figures out how to do in Dota. These guys are dedicating every day of their lives to studying and learning Dota. So therefore, like if you look at the pros, they will have asked the same question as you and solved it. But you still need to ask the question uh, because then then you'll actually know what to look for. It won't just look like this perfectly played game where you don't really know why it's played perfectly. It's more like you need to know what you're fucking up first to to fix it. Uh, so, like, watching high MMR slash pro replays isn't going to do much for you unless you actually know what know what it is that you want to that you want to look for and fix. Because otherwise, like, you might be just watching things where they do, they do the right thing, you do the right thing, and you're not learning anything because you're both just doing stuff right. Like, you won't be looking at the the things that they do right that you don't do right. Essentially, yeah. That question was so general that it just kind of speaks to the fact that you're kind of just looking for like a a magic bullet. Instead of actually doing a little bit of research into your own game and figuring out like what your issues are, um, and I know that there's a sort of like there's an issue because there's so much that maybe you just don't know that you're not doing correctly, but at the same time, don't let that dissuade you from trying to figure it out. You know, like do a little bit of kind of self referral, a little bit of research, maybe look at your replays, look at the pro replays. And just see if you notice differences. Because, you know, maybe sometimes you're do like maybe you're a really good laner. But that certainly seems to be the case if you're beating Jenkins 1v1 mid. But you probably he didn't beat me. That's why he didn't beat me. He almost <laughs> but you probably just really, really suck at transitioning from the laning stage to the mid game and late game. To give to give an example of something that I once looked for uh that like improved my game a lot in terms of like pro replays is I would always like 
so for a while cutting the creep waves was the thing like you would cut on and then they changed it so that like the first wave you couldn't cut it and i was just thinking like how the fuck do i i kept feeding when i was trying to cut the wave and then eventually i'd cut it but sometimes that would lose me game sometimes it wouldn't happen but a lot of the time i would feed trying to cut the wave and i actually like specifically was like all right i need to watch for the moment that they cut the wave because i don't know what it is that they're doing that i'm not and i i I mean i was just running behind the tower and cutting the wave it's like for all i know i was doing everything right it felt like i was doing everything right and then i watched it's like oh so what they have is they have a support go to the first wave and sit with them and like help them essentially cut the wave do they run through the tower do they run uh, around the trees to cut the wave uh, they would run around the trees, and as they do that, the support would stay in the lane, essentially distracting. And then it, it happened at a certain point where support started cutting the wave. But essentially, like there was a, a point where there was there was a, a communication between the two heroes in the lane, where that first wave of experience would not be wasted because the support would be there. The support would be there distracting people, and then the offlaner would go to cut the wave. Or alternatively, you would see like the support and the offlaner would use spells in the first wave pushing it in which allows them to run through the tower to cut the wave but like it was a serious question that i had because like that one moment was losing me so many games like probably two to three games out of like every 20 games that i played which is a lot of mmr that that you could be losing uh just because i was dying in the early game trying to cut the wave and then all of a sudden there's a level three carry and i'm level two and it's way harder for me to cut the wave. Like that would snowball me out of control in a lot of games where I just fucking feed and lose. And uh, it was literally that one point where it's like, all right, how do they literally cut the first wave without dying? How do they do that? And I saw like four or five different ways that I learned to 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 do. And it's like I had no fucking idea. I thought it was this simple thing. You just run behind the tower and cut the wave, right? But no, it's not this simple thing. And I didn't know that it was simple or complicated. I had no idea of how complicated or simple it was because I wasn't asking the question. That that that's like the important part. Yep. Is is like find something in your gameplay that you just consistently fuck up, and then look at how people have solved that in, in in terms of like pros. And there will be a bunch of solutions, and you'll need to learn them. But once you've solved it, like you'll no longer make that mistake. That could be the only mistake that's keeping you from going to the next uh, metal. Like that, it's very possible. Okay. Anyway, so uh, let's see. That was Turtle. We have La. Uh, LA's just making making some comments. Okay, so we're we're done with questions for now. Unless you want to do like one from from chat. Um. Yeah. Let's do let's do a speed round from chat. Let's do like ten word answers. Okay. Chat. Go ahead. Ask your questions for the next uh one minute, and Jenkins and I will try and speed through as many of them as possible. Who's am I asking the questions? Or are you asking the questions? Uh, I mean, I can just read the chat. Okay. Okay. All right. Do Five, it. four, three. Two, one. Entering the speed round. How to win mid? Uh, push the enemy behind their tower and fucking cut the wave. Uh, deny range creeps. I don't know. Thoughts on Medusa? Overrated hero at this point. Got destroyed by her talents, but could still be good in the late game, depending on how the pace of the game is. Good at 25, not good otherwise. Um, how do you deal with teammates who clearly don't understand your team's win condition and the enemy's win condition? Ignore them. Try your hardest to communicate, but then ignore their bullshit. What do you think of Timber saw this patch in any role, just in terms of the passive changes? Good hero. <laughs> his first pick pudge. His first pick pudge still good. Was it ever good? No. <laughs> Worst hero in seven twenty one. Pudge. <laughs> uh, favorite hero lore wise. Uh, Shadowfiend. 
Having, Keeper of the Light. Haven't even read his lore. What's the safest way to farm your enemy uh, if your enemy has significant map control? In their jungle. Farm their jungle. Cut the cut waves. Yep. Is ranked rolls viable to calculate? Absolutely, unless you are in like the divine bracket. I have no idea. Uh, is lion mid viable? No. Yes. <laughs> are you saying he is viable? Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no question. Just want to thank you guys for the greatest material you've been providing in the last months. We love you too, Daniel Porto. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Will we see Pudge in competitive matches? No. Drow support? Totally. Question mark. No. <laughs> Thoughts on Alchemist Radiance and Octarine. Hasn't that That's always good. been the build? It's good, but the uh, worse. It's worse now. What do you think about Luna support? I think it's a great idea. I think it's okay. Or the, you know, build auras. Good at laning. How to secure the enemy jungle. Ward their shrine. Ward their shrine in, like, one jungle entrance. Uh, try to get it clo closest to their base as possible, because the way the map spreads out, you'll get the most vision that way. Yep. How do you gain MMR playing support? Uh, by enabling your teammates to have better games than the other team supports are enabling their cores to have good games. Pick a hero that has control over the game. Who's the biggest sleeper of the patch? Um, Morphling. Interesting. Maybe. Uh, Phoenix? Is is Lycan still a sleeper hero? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Lycan's a sleeper hero. I say Lycan then. Uh, how do I get my kids back? All right, and we're going to cut it right there. Thank you guys for tuning in to Alchemy Answers episode 19. We'll see you next week, but if you want to tune in for a replay review, we'll see you on Thursday. Um, I've been streaming my calibration matches in the morning as well, and you can check me out on Twitch uh, at Alchemy Elevated. I don't think I gave a single good answer in the speed around just because it's too fucking quick. Holy shit. That's fine. Worst hero in Dota Pudge. God. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys later.